Let's pray. Heavenly Father, teach us the value of faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you remember when you thought if you had a cape, you could fly? Did you ever try it? I did. Fortunately, I didn't break anything when I jumped off the garage roof except the bush that was below me. You know, Jesus was clear, unless we change, become like little children, we will never enter the kingdom of God. He wasn't telling us to throw temper tantrums or refuse to eat our green beans or hide everything under our bed or in the closet when mom tells us to clean our room. Jesus wants us to live by faith and to trust him the way a little child trusts those who they know love them. One of the most important differences about Lutheran theology is our view of vocation. We spent some time last week talking about it, and I'm following up this week. You have a job. It's what you do to make enough money to live. But you also have a vocation, a calling from God to do something that makes a difference in this world. And by the way, sometimes your calling and your vocation and your job overlap. But many times, your calling literally is the way you live outside of your job. When you begin to understand who you are in God's eyes and that you are a unique and unreproducible miracle, the world becomes a better place. Genuine faith always leads to a desire to change the world. Watch this video clip. We define ourselves by the things we do each day. That dull, dependable question, what do you do, which is supposed to sum us up. But what else are we, aside from the routines that make up the moments between waking and sleeping? The small moments that add up to become our lives. They're often overlooked, but we know deep down that small moments carry weight. Some heroes are born with incredible skills, but we, we earned our uniforms. We know what we want and we go for it. We may not have X-ray vision, but we can see grace in the everyday. That's the difference. We work every day to become heroes because greatness is in the doing. By treating every moment with diligence, we create our legacy. Like any hero, it's about applying those skills. It's about taking an extraordinary education and applying it to the ordinary surpassing it. We know that all moments require disciplined dedication so that we can rise, like any hero, to the great moments the small ones have prepared us for. So we can meet the extraordinary, create the extraordinary, become extraordinary. And these moments, the great ones, and small ones, that we ourselves define, 
shape an extraordinary community wherever we are needed. So I wrote this quote down. I just wish that I'd been smart enough to write down where I got it and who said it because it's brilliant. In a movie or a book, you can always tell who the heroes are. They're the ones rushing into a burning building, giving crucial testimony in the courtroom, refusing to step to the back of the bus. They're the ones who act the way you hope you would if the moment came to you. But the movies and the history books never tell how those heroes felt. If they were angry or uncertain or afraid. If they had to think a long time before they did the right thing. If they even knew what the right thing was or just made a headlong guess, just leaped and hoped they landed instead of falling. They never tell you what it's like to stand on the brink wishing you were somewhere or someone else, wishing the choice had never come your way and you could just go back to your safe, ordinary, everyday life. Because you know what else the books never say? Nobody, hero or not, really wants to rush into a fire because fire burns. It's never easy to be a hero. Whether you're talking a Medal of Honor recipient or just a kid in junior high school who stands up to defend the other kid who can't stand up or speak for himself or herself. To step out of your comfort zone to realize who you are and why God put you there makes life uncomfortable. But the hero does it anyway. Matthew 20, 26. Finish this sentence from Jesus. Whoever wants to be great, come on, finish the sentence. Is it hire a PR firm? Go to work early and come home late. Spend all day in the gym. Have the most followers on Instagram or TikTok. What is it that takes to become great? Jesus says you have to be a servant. Wow. We have too many influencers, and not nearly enough heroes. The difference between them is simple. Influencers are all about themselves. Heroes are all about everyone else. Sometimes heroes are influencers, and influencers are heroes, but we have to look hard to find them. Anyone can text, tweet, snap, or drop a soundbite about how the world needs to change. But you know, unless they actually follow that up with some action, well, unless, just as St. James says, faith without works is dead. You see, words really are never enough. There are hero celebrities, those who make a difference off-camera. You can check out Gary Sinise and his work with Wounded Warriors or former President Jimmy Carter in Habitat for Humanity. You can be a celebrity and a hero, but it isn't easy because it means thinking of others more than thinking of yourself. And a lot of celebrities, by the way, they don't know how to do that. I'm all for saving the planet, finding a cure for cancer, ending human trafficking, caring for refugees, and finding a way to reach those with mental illness and work with the homeless. These are all necessary and worthwhile causes. But when I get hundreds of emails telling me that I have to give to hundreds of different ministries and groups, otherwise it proves that I don't care, it upsets me. Especially when those same organizations won't tell me how they spend the money that I, they want me to give them. Here's what God had to say from Romans 12. We all have different gifts. According to the grace given us, if your gift is prophesying, well, use it in proportion to your faith. If it's serving, serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's encouraging, encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, give generously. If it's leadership, lead well. If it is showing mercy, do it cheerfully. The same goes for giving. 
it's a matter of the heart. Once you discover what your deep passion is, you step out in faith. You do it because it needs to be done, but also because it's something you know you can do and enjoy doing. You don't have to give to every organization. It's actually okay to say no. Decide how much you're going to give to charity and then give to the causes that you are most passionate about, knowing that the moment you give money, you're going to be on a hundred other lists and be ready to say no to them and simply say, you are not where my heart leads me. Same goes with service. Find out how much time you can give. Give it to the places that you love, the places where you know that you're making a difference, the places that your heart literally leads you. It's actually pretty simple to be a hero. You serve where there is a need and where you love to be. Pastor Frederick Buechner mentioned it last week. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. You were created and gifted by God to do something more than just spin your wheels and go in circles. You're not a gerbil in one of those wheels. This is why it's important to do something about some research before you give either your time or your money to someone. There are a lot of places that are all hype. Everybody wants to leave the world a better place. And God has designed something special just for you. So, so don't waste your time or your passion or your money giving to just anybody. As you discover where God has called you, where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet, there are some things, by the way, that will help you be faithful. First, if the world doesn't notice what you're doing, St. Paul says, don't grow weary in doing good. For if at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. That's his way of saying, if you know what you're doing needs to be done, then it's okay if nobody notices because God notices. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, you know, you can have the accolades of the world or you can have the accolades of God, but you can't have both. Do what you do because you want to do it and it needs to be done, not to get your name in the paper. Second, you need to know why you're sacrificing and serving. God never wants you to do anything out of guilt. He wants you to be drawn into your ministry through passion and love. Listen to a G.K. Chesterton. He was a pastor way back in the 1800s. He said, courage is almost a contradiction in terms. It means a strong desire to live, taking the form of a readiness to die. Did, did you get that? Courage is a strong desire to live, taking the form of a readiness to die. And then G.K. went on to use the analogy of a soldier. He said, the soldier can only get away from death by continually stepping within an inch of it. A soldier, if he is surrounded by enemies, if he is to escape, needs to combine a strong desire for living with a strange carelessness about dying. He must not merely cling to life, for then he will be a coward and will not escape. He must not merely wait for death, for then it will be suicide and will also not be escape. He must seek his life in a spirit of furious indifference to it. He must desire life like water and yet drink death like wine. Wow. The whole world is surrounded by an enemy. We call him Satan. But he takes many forms, anger, death, disease, war, famine, poverty. Some of us know that we're surrounded by the enemy. Others live blissfully unaware that there's anything in the universe other than them. God calls us to reach out to those who don't know. It's called the Great Commission. And it's not our job to make them uncomfortable unless it takes that uncomfortableness to lead them into the presence of Jesus. In 1961, a group of people got together and gave their blood, sweat, and tears to form a church in the former sugarcane fields in Aiea, Hawaii. 
they had two things in mind. First, tell the world about Jesus because they didn't want anyone to miss out when it came to heaven. Second, they wanted to make a difference in the community, to step into the gap between the enemy and God's love. That's what we're still trying to do. Each week I ask a simple question. Why would anyone write a check, give a few hours of time, forgive people who don't deserve to be forgiven, love people who certainly don't deserve to be loved, serve, teach, fix things, and pray? I mean, let's face it. Every one of you could find another place to spend your time, your money, and pretty much everything else that you give to either our Savior or to the church in general. Every one of you could take these few hours and do something that you normally don't get to do because there just aren't enough hours in the week. So why do you choose to spend some of your time with our Savior? It gets even more personal. We have a woman named Linda, and she painted some pictures for the women's restroom. We work with Hawaii Fido to train service dogs for wounded warriors. Last week, a great article in the paper as our director retires from her directorship and goes into a different role. And by the way, thanks to our Savior and you, we've trained 15 service dogs for wounded warriors and facilities. We host Hanai foster parent training. We adopt several families every Christmas to make sure that they have a Christmas. Uh, on church work days, a dozen of us gather to fix things, and we've saved the church thousands of dollars every year. We're getting ready to gather a ton of rice for the Hawaii Food Bank. Why do we do it? If somebody saved your life, how would that make you feel? Someone jumped on a grenade, pushed you off the track just before the train came, donated a kidney, ran into a burning building. How would you react? How would you want to say thank you? Galatians 1 says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus died to save you. <laughs> he died to save me. In fact, he died to save the whole world from death and hell and a slow suffocation of a life that doesn't have any purpose. There's a verse that often gets left off there at the Reformation. I mean, we, we leave it there and we think it's so wonderful and every one of us has it committed to memory, but the truth of the matter is it, it needs to be spoken more than just once a year. It's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your work, it's the gift of God not by your works so that no one can boast. But, but then verse 10 actually goes on because you see it's, it's one thing to know that we're loved and saved. That, that's fantastic. But then it says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God actually prepared in advance for us to do. We're not, we're not just saved for the, for the purpose of being saved. We're saved to make a difference. Jesus didn't die to make us feel guilty. He died to free us from sin, Satan, and death. The Bible uses the word redeemed when it talks about us. We have been redeemed. God actually reclaimed us, brought us home, restored us so that we could be part of the family again. How do you say thank you? Somebody saves you? Somebody gives their life for you? Well, God tells you that you are a unique and unreproducible miracle. Now, what does God expect in return? Believe it or not, God just wants you to live your life. Yeah, you heard me. God just wants you to live your life. Paul says we're living sacrifices, and part of the job of the church is to keep you from crawling off the altar every time it gets uncomfortable or painful or nobody seems to notice you. It's not an easy job. 
2 Corinthians 5 says that you are God's ambassador. You, you represent God in this world. And by the way, we're not talking about you going out and telling everybody what to do or what to think. We're talking about you and your life being a living witness to the grace, the mercy, and the peace of God. God wants you to represent forgiveness. God wants you to represent second, third, and millionth chances. God wants you to represent a purpose. God wants you to represent what it takes to be someone in this world who can forgive and love and hold out their hands and say, what can I do for you? That sounds like a tall order it is, but God happens to know that you're up to it. You don't have to wear a cape to be a hero. By the way, if you want to, I think it's fantastic. Send me a picture because I would love to see you in your superhero costume. By the way, it's not the size of the sacrifice that matters. It's how much heart you put into it. Jesus said, if you give up a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will be rewarded. Heroes make everyday sacrifices at home, at work, at school, in the neighborhood, even when and especially when nobody notices. They give cups of cold water to people who are dying of thirst. And by the way, we're not necessarily talking about a physical thirst, although that, that also could be part of it. We meet physical needs so we can reach deeper into the emotional and physical needs of the world around us. One of the hardest things about being a hero is feeling used. I've heard a thousand people say that they are just about done doing whatever they're doing because they just feel used. It's funny. See, for most of us, our prayer, at least in those moments when we're feeling the closest to God, is, dear God, use me. I think you can see the irony there. Helping people understand their unique and unreproducible miracles isn't easy because it's not easy for us to understand it. We may not want to rush into the fire because we know fire burns, but here's the difference. We also don't want anybody else to get burned. And we know that God loves us, that we are saved. Someday we get to go to heaven. So the world and Satan actually can't hurt us. It's not a cape or mask that protects us. It's Jesus and his cross. And we want the whole world to know what we know. We, we place all that we are in the hands of God. And our prayer is that he will use us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mm -hmm.